This is going to be a pre-recorded episode of SDGC. Um, I am Justin, and I am here with a guest I'm very excited about, um, Alexander Battaglia from Digital Foundry. Um, Alex, do you want to introduce yourself, talk about kind of what you do over at um, Digital Foundry? Yeah, definitely, John. Uh, I was about to call you John. My God, <laughs> I do this always with John. Thanks, Justin. Um, yeah, I basically worked there as the PC specialist, uh, was brought on in February of this year. And I've been making videos about PC content ever since, or just in general with my own series called Tech Focus, where I look very specifically at like certain rendering techniques or just general kind of technological concepts and try and explain them and maybe say where they are and where they're going to be in the future. And that's basically what I do for DF. Okay, awesome. And uh, today, uh, the two of us are going to uh, be talking about a topic that's probably going to really kick off um, going into 2019, which is um, specifications of the next PlayStation and the next Xbox. Um, there's been a few uh, mumblings from both um, Sony and Microsoft about successors for uh, the current gen systems. And um, we're kind of about the time in the hardware cycle where mm -hmm. leaks and stuff start to ramp up. So we just kind of wanted to talk about um, potentially what could be in these things and uh, speculate on that and, you know, <laughs> down the line, maybe see how we did in <laughs> guessing and um, just chat about that. So, um, yeah, definitely. So if you so, if, um, Alex, if you want to get um, started and kind of maybe give us some context about, you know, where the current gen hardware is oh, yeah. um, versus some of the stuff that's coming down the line. Um, on PC and particularly um, on the AMD side, um, who is the provider for the a lot of the hardware for both Microsoft and Sony, and likely will be in the future as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So great. the 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 biggest starting point is obviously what's going to be happening with the CPUs next gen on next gen consoles, because at the beginning of this generation, uh, they started off on I would say kind of like a, a lower tier than it, had it been in the Xbox 360 PS3 generation where they kind of shipped with uh, CPU architectures that didn't exist in the PC space because IBM architectures weren't really used on PC other than on Apple products for a while. And they were yeah, also and kind of more powerful in general yeah. than things available on PC. Especially like the PS3 cell processor. Yeah, there's which is nothing like that on PC at the time or on Mac. No, <laughs> like that is that is still a pretty crazy architecture. Um, that is probably key to why we do not have any kind of PS3 backwards compatibility yeah. on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, if you look at like PC emulation for that, it's like using Vulkan, and it requires like incredibly threaded processors and things like that, and very high clock speeds. So it does make a lot of sense that there's an emulation of the SPUs on PS4. Um, so that's where that's where it was back then. And then, um, you know, like 2012, 2013, um, both of the uh, both the main console players that we're talking about, Microsoft Sony, went with AMD for basically all the components this time around instead of like a, a mishmash of uh, IBM and AMD or, or ATI at that time or IBM and NVIDIA. And so they both uh, were looking into kind of low power in terms of that is wattage 
consumption, low power, um, kind of single chips, SOCs as they're called, uh, system on a chips. And those were APUs at that time from uh, AMD, which they had on offer, which, you know, for what they do, it is really great GPU. Uh, you know, you can get an amazing, the PS4 GPU at the time it came out wasn't like super top tier, but it was like really up there. And it had this unified memory pool, which was really great, something that the PS3 didn't have. Yeah, um, the um, that RAM um, bombshell was a pretty, pretty <laughs> I, big one. Uh, I remember that thread, and I didn't think it, so it was a really good surprise for me, too. And it's better yeah, for next I, gen. It's just so good. I'm kind of notorious now for having a post saying that we'd be lucky to get two gigs of I, I've memory. seen that post a couple times. In, <laughs> yeah, in um, in uh, the current gen systems. I was, I'm very glad I was wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I remember all the leaks were saying that it was going to have like four gigs of mm-hmm. RAM for mm-hmm. the PlayStation 4. And then like there were even developers that were on stage for the announcement that didn't know that that yeah. um, hardware change had happened. I um, mean, I think it's if you look at the original Killzone Shadowfall presentation, they mention I don't think they actually like I think a lot of the RAM utilization and allocation was based around the four gigs for their initial presentation that they did i'm pretty sure i don't think yes. the, the hardware they had on stage was eight at that point so yeah i i'm pretty i'm pretty sure um you're correct on that i remember um i mean i imagine gorilla knew things were going to change yeah, yeah, but i don't yeah. think they were able to um to yeah. integrate it into that initial presentation mm-hmm. yeah um so, uh, but at the same time, they had this, you know, larger RAM pool, larger unified RAM pool, kind of like the Xbox 360 had. Um, but to kind of make space on both of these system on a chip dies that they had, they went with a CPU for both the consoles, which they both used the exact same CPU, basically, um, that at the time was not known to be mid or even high end. It's, uh, I mean, it's kind of people say it in a negative way, they're tablet CPUs, but that's kind of what they were originally made for, um, just with like different uh, core counts and also different clock speeds, as you would see on tablets. Um, But that's kind of where they were, and you had basically the utilization of 6 to what, 6.5 of this 8-core processor, 6 cores of these 8-core processors that both the Xbox One and PS4 had. Yeah, I believe believe it it started off at... I'm pretty sure both of them had the exact same, same exact six. RAM and CPU allocations uh, at first. Yeah. Um, I believe that's changed over time, uh, but I'm pretty sure both were, it was six cores were open on the CPU, mm-hmm. two reserved for the OS, and then three gigabytes of RAM of the eight gig pool were reserved yeah. for the OS. And of course, Xbox One at that time has a completely different RAM setup. It's using, you know, DDDR3, I think at 2133 megahertz or something like that, um, which is slow if you're going to be accessing it for something like the GPU. But they kind of use like a RAM, a really small ES RAM pool of 32 megabytes, kind of taking the idea of ED RAM from the Xbox 360, which was 11 megabytes, if I recall, um, to kind of use that as a scratch pad where they would speed up things that they would, you know, use more often. So they didn't have to go all the way out to DDR3 memory uh, with its long times uh, and, you know, waste CPU cycles. But in doing that, the Xbox One was extremely disadvantaged. And, you know, we at DF always talk about it. And a lot of videos as of late have kind of been showing um, 
basically the Xbox One versions in time, uh, looking like they're degrading more than the PS4 versions is what's something that we see rather often. Uh, so yeah, the the PS4 has kind of impressively held up. Oh yeah, um, it's it's throughout really... the generation on the targets that they had. Um, compared basically to as beginning. a 1080p machine, it yeah. like, it does it does that for the most part. There's like a couple of rare titles that are like either just really ambitious in general, or there's 60 FPS titles which target like dynamic resolutions or maybe 900p or something like that. But for the yeah. most part, it's like a 1080p box and it does it. Xbox One is different. Um, but the whole deal was that I wanted to talk about there before I tangented myself. No, I mean that, that was a, <laughs> that was a perfect kind of description of where we are, and now we're kind of getting into where we're going so yeah that's it so like lower end cpu pretty good gpus uh ram setup really great on ps4 less so on xbox one now going into the next gen um amd has since then released uh the zen architecture with ryzen on pc um starting with the 1000 series and then moving to the 2000 series now that we have out and um basically the big deal with those is that um the Jaguar CPUs that you had originally in the uh, Xbox One and the PS4 had kind of limits to how fast they could be clocked, for one, before they became very thermal inefficient. So they could get really hot. You could technically clock them up really high if you wanted to, and Richard has done some fun stuff with that. Um, (laughs) uh, Kind of like, I think he was trying to emulate to see how crash would run on a ps4 because there was always this idea that it it shouldn't have been 30 fps but actually 60 Um, you're talking about the um the crash Crash remakes uh that came out yeah yeah, last year right yeah which was 30 fps on consoles and we kind of had the idea that it didn't make sense to be that that it was 30 fps (laughs) um but anyway so the, the the idea was that they, they couldn't clock very high, these Jaguar CPUs, and that's why they are at 1.6 gigahertz and 1.75 gigahertz in the base consoles here. Um, 1.75 on Xbox One and uh, 1.6 in PS4, and then only slightly throttled up for the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, which one use, uh, in general, smaller shrinked dies so that they're more thermal efficient. And also, the consoles have way better cooling. PS4 Pro and Xbox One X especially have way better cooling and just like thermal ideas in general in comparison to the base consoles. But they they can't go that much higher in terms of clock speed. It just becomes too power inefficient. Zen architecture, on the other hand, with Ryzen, on PC, it's standard clocks for its power envelope are like, in the three gigahertz range or higher, especially with um, the 2000 series. So they're really great. They can clock higher in general, but also every, the way they use those clocks is better. So a 3.0 gigahertz Zen chip or Ryzen chip is better and more efficient at crunching numbers than a 3.0 gigahertz Jaguar chip could ever be with the same core count. And on top of that, they also use, a version of simultaneous multi-threading, which is basically hyper-threading as we know it in the Intel space, where they can have logical threads on top of the cores that they have to run more things in parallel more often. Um, this is really great on PC. We see constantly over the years, uh, especially when we do like CPU testing, that many titles that use more cores, uh, they tend to also use these logical threads really well. And we saw this also back on the Xbox 360, where even though that thing only had three cores, developers used these extra, you know, three threads that they had to speed up their games. And 
it's it's going to be pretty big if um, next gen consoles end up using the Zen, you know, the Zen two probably at that point in time because eight, six threads that they have now, these six cores that they have are kind of low power, and you know they've been working this generation to spread out and make their game engines much more multi-threading capable to an arbitrary number of threads. If all of a sudden they had, let's just say, eight, twelve, sixteen, whatever threads on CPUs that were that much better in general on a per clock basis, you could have engines that just scale up to 60 FPS very, very easily, I would say, in comparison to what we have now. So that's kind of what where we're at right now in the CPU space. AMD has great chips out on PC for the most part, I would say. They, they give you great performance in games if you're targeting 60 FPS. And that's what everyone is kind of right now wanting for the next gen consoles and it's what everyone you know what we're assuming is going to happen yeah um and that kind of brings us to kind of talk on the gpu side yeah um because that's where um typically the biggest gains have been in generation uh over generation and that's kind of starting to change especially with um the mid-gen refreshes that we've gotten uh the ps4 pro and the xbox one x um, you know, a lot. Of, I think a lot of the enthusiasts are going to be comparing, you know, <laughs> GPU power to how does this compare to the Xbox One X yeah. versus how does this compare to the base Xbox One or the yeah. base PS4? That's um, I find that a little annoying for both. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely. <laughs> I I can I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, and we're gonna do it too. <laughs> we're gonna end up doing that too. Uh, but <laughs> but I I like because gen on gen. Uh, the increases that we'll probably see, let's just say it uses, I don't know, like everyone's assuming uh, PS5, 10 teraflop, whatever of the latest version of the GPU is from AMD at that time. Um, that is a huge difference. It's like, what, more than five times? It's like six times? Uh, yeah, um, the, base the base PS4, PS4 is one, base PS4 is 1.84 teraflops, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That's true. It is. You're right. And so, like, if you were to, it's more than five times at that point, if it were just 10 teraflops, which is maybe a conservative number for all we know. Um, and then comparing that to the PS4 Pro, which is what, three, oh God, sorry, three point four point two four point two. 4.2. 4.2, oh God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 4.2 uh, teraflops. Um, and at that same time, you're going to be having a chip that is based upon an architecture of GPU which runs more efficiently. It can do the exact same code that the PS4 Pro or PS4 Pro or base PS4. It could just do, it can run the code just better in general and faster and also will be more feature rich. It'll have, in all likelihood, I mean, you already have with PS4 Pro can do um, half rate instructions at double, what is it, sorry, half precision instructions at double rate. Um, I, we don't know exactly necessarily the degree to which developers utilize this because it, there's not a lot written about it, unfortunately, but there's just going to be a lot of more tips and tricks and interesting things that developers can do with a, a theoretical PS5 GPU versus the PS4 Pro and PS4. And that's kind of something that we should imagine. And I always think direct baseline specs comparisons based upon teraflops are just semi-disingenuous. And they're just, I don't know, it doesn't explain necessarily always what we see on screen. Um, yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's that's really important too, especially like, 
Um, and you mentioned like the half rate precision thing, which yeah. is um, which is included in the PlayStation Four Pro um, mm-hmm. GPU. Does not seem to be utilized all that much <laughs> by developers. We, we've had at least but, one conf- one or two confirmations that it's used, and like you know, like the numbers that were given out was like. 30% of the resolve of a checkerboard, which is already something like 1 or 1.5 yeah. milliseconds or something like that. It wasn't a huge number, um, but it was still like any bit of millisecond you can get at a 16.6 millisecond, you know, like refresh between frames is awesome. So Yeah, and... Yeah, and like Dice, um, you mentioned uh, that presentation. I remember, I'm pretty sure that was a presentation dice had done correct yeah, it was um, about, uh, about their about battlefield one reconstruction in yeah. battlefield one and mass effect andromeda how they did their checkerboard yeah yeah and um there's also another um feature which i'm actually blanking on what it's called but like it oh. tracks temporal data within the oh, um, the, the id buffer id uh, buffer yes um mm-hmm. i believe that same presentation was the only time i've ever heard a developer actually say they used it um <laughs> even even sony's own studios like gorilla um outright said they did not use the id buffer yeah, for horizon right? like, I, I think um, and then there's a lot sony of santa reasons. monica yeah. also said they did not use it for god of oh, war they did? okay god <laughs> i didn't know that um Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, and it says a lot about just the way sometimes hardware features don't end up being utilized. Like, there's always the really famous example of the geometry shader, which was um, created as a part of the DX10 spec on PC. And also, it you know, like, it, it's part of also the PS4 GPU, PS4 Pro GPU, Xbox GPU as well, um, where it's just, like, it exists. It allows a certain flexibility to be utilized, but everyone doesn't use it because it's extremely slow. And the, the ID buffer might be something similar. And the reason why people like Guerrilla Games and apparently, as you said, Sony Santa Monica don't use it because they can create similar effects using different parts of the hardware uh, for much less cost or maybe even better visuals. I think, I think really looking at Horizon Zero Dawn or I don't know, maybe... I kind of think that the temporal injection stuff that Spider-Man uses and, you know, I guess a lot of Ubisoft titles also use and UE4 technically has a version of it. Um, yes. If you, if you if you look at the, the quality results you get from those at 4K um, being upscaled or, no, sorry, not upscaled, bad words, Alex, uh, <laughs> um, being, you know, uh, reconstructed, they, they look better than the stuff that we've seen, you know, using like the base PS4 Pro ID buffer you know, kind of implementation. And, you know, that could actually be the case also with PS5. Maybe there's going to be hardware features announced for it, you know, secret sauces um, <laughs> that may end up not ever really being used or may, may not actually be that important. While other ones that, you know, that they don't get a lot of press about are, are going to be more important in general. And that kind of plays into the idea of what, you know, like what we've seen with Turing GPUs on PC where, Everyone's talking about ray tracing. Everyone and their mother and father and whoever are talking about ray tracing because it's the big thing, but there's a lot of things behind that. If you just look at the Turing Architectures white paper that it does that are just insane and GPUs haven't done before, or if they've been announced before, they've only been prototyped in the past and never actually put on live GPUs. There's just a ton of stuff in the background that developers have, and I assume and I really hope AMD looks at implementing similar features on their GPUs for the next-gen consoles 
that make rendering so much more flexible and easy and interesting. And I, I could definitely imagine Sony would be behind that because they've had extremely low-level APIs in comparison to, say, like Xbox or what Nintendo does on the Switch, um, where developers do really specialized rendering types. Like if you look at Dreams, that is basically something that under most conditions is impossible to do on the PC because there's such a low-level API there on the PS4 and PS4 Pro, which makes it able to be done at an efficient frame rate, you know, like at a good frame rate. Maybe it could be emulated through other, you know, API and hardware features, but at the most, like for the most part, there's like specialized rendering things that have done on, have been done on Sony hardware before, which I hope they continue this in the next gen with like an extremely flexible GPU, one that allows developers to do really kind of weird experimental rendering. I, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and I definitely agree. And I have actually been a big proponent of um, a lot of this reconstruct, a lot of reconstruction techniques um, yeah, yeah. that we mentioned. As uh, and I think like the people that get mad when like a game uses <laughs> dynamic res, uh, even though it hits like fork. I remember I forgot what game it was, but recently there was some game that runs at like native four K most of the time, and then like occasionally drops down to like 1944p or something like that yeah and people got mad that they were saying it was a 4k game like (sighs) i think those people are probably um not going to be happy uh (laughs) in the next gen because i think um it's you know uh, a lot of these things that you discussed um i know i know you recently did a video on like the variable rate shading yeah yeah exactly um, which is very cool where like different parts of the screen are rendered at different resolutions based yeah. off of what um, what's going on and what you can see. Yeah. Like I think those sorts of things are going to be huge in the console space going forward. And it, it's it's the thing is uh, I look at and I agree with what other people have said online. I've have a four K four K screen right in front of me right now. I've played games at you know dynamic resolutions from four K going down to probably like sixteen twenty p or something like that. And in the heat of the moment, if the game is fast 60 fps and you're you know especially with like a mouse on pc you're just like switching the screen all over the place you're not gonna notice the difference um it's really the pixel density is so high at 4k for most screens unless you're like in i guess what would be 75 inch territory or something like that yeah Um, like i have a 55 inch 4k um display and i sit you know at typical living room distances from Mm -hmm. it and I was somebody that like the difference between like 1080p and 900p was pretty obvious yeah, um, right? yeah. to me. But like but anything like <laughs> 1620p and above on a 4K display, it's it's tough. <laughs> it's yeah. tough to tell. And I think that'll be kind of where some of the gains in performance and rendering will come from on future hardware is not necessarily targeting that like targeting that full native. 4k like maybe like the ps4 targets you know 1080p or something yeah yeah. i i I think it's just kind of a waste of resources that could be gone into like more complex shading like i remember at the beginning of last gen or this current gen how what was it crytek got a kind of a lot of bad press about rise being 900p or something like that oh um, yeah and, it, and they said yeah. like they oh we but we improved the shading you know like the game runs better now at 1080p as well uh, than at 1080p but everyone just gave them you know a lot of crap for the game yeah. being lower res uh i mean i think you have to look at the quality of pixels and not just how many there are usually um i would rather have a game that 
isn't shimmery in motion. I'd rather have a game that has more complex shading, uh, even if it's a tiny bit lower res. I, I don't mind. No. Uh, yeah, and I think I would agree with you. I know not everybody does, but no, I, I no, would probably agree. Preference, yeah. I'd probably agree with you there. Um, and I know I know you kind of mentioned a few times, um, you know, like 60 FPS targets and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am actually going to throw out a prediction that I think that will be a much bigger thing oh, on well, next-gen yeah. hardware. Because the, I think yeah. um, PC PC gaming has moved beyond 60 FPS at this point. <laughs> um, it's no longer, you know, consoles are 30, PCs are 60. A lot of hardcore PC players are well over 100 FPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I think also just, I think visually we're going to get a lot of refinements in rendering i don't think we're going to see a huge change in asset complexity because Mm. we've hit we've hit a point where assets are looking real good um (laughs) like we're at we're we're at a very nice point in just pure rendering um i agree yeah uh that i think that you know and people say oh well it doesn't market well i think if you know microsoft and sony start talking about it a lot people will people will get on board <laughs> it makes me wonder though how many people are playing with motion smoothing on their television and they think that their games look 60 <laughs> fps or whatever i don't know i mean if uh, i would really love that to be the case um i mean me, me, i think me it's too. going to be i think it is going to be the case uh under the under the presumption that we're getting these greater you know these awesome cpus like zen architecture cpus yeah um, well, and also, um, something that we haven't discussed hardware-wise yet is the HDMI 2.1 spec. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, that opens up a lot of stuff as well. Um, which, I don't know if you've looked at that spec. It's like the HDMI um, council decided they just didn't feel like making another one for a while. Like, that that spec supports 4K 120, yeah. 8K 60, and 10K 24. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah. It supports um, HDR with dynamic metadata, which is very cool. Um, right now, um, you know, there's kind of a format war between Dolby Vision and uh, HDR10. Mm-hmm. And HDR10 doesn't have any real standards. Um, Dolby Vision has those standards and has... Um, Dolby Vision is the one that uses wide color gamut. I can't remember which one actually has it as a part of it. I don't think HDR10 does, though. Does it? Um, yeah, I think HDR10 does, but it doesn't have to. Okay. I think I think it's mandatory on the Dolby Vision spec. I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. My TV yeah. does not support Dolby Vision, so I um, I actually don't know all that much about <laughs> it. Um, but I do know it does support the dynamic metadata, which is kind of a key thing for why people think it it, it looks better mm-hmm. um, in general. And for those that are unaware, uh, the dynamic metadata means the screen can kind of adjust how it displays certain colors, um, certain tones and highlights based off of the needs of the scene. Mm. Um, it's not just a, this is the value, this is what it's always going to be. It can kind of adjust a little bit. So oh, cool. that that could be important. Um, but I think the biggest thing for gaming is support for variable refresh rates. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the reason why I'm kind of predicting a lot more 60 fps targets for games if um not necessarily able to hold them all the time um because variable refresh rate um it's it's the equivalent of you know g-sync or free sync and the pc side of things uh 
where, you know, say if game's targeting 60 FPS, if it drops a little bit, you won't get the same kind of judder and you won't get the same kind of spikes in input delay that you would see on current displays. Yeah. Um, and I expect Sony, especially as a TV manufacturer, <laughs> as well as a console manufacturer, yeah. will make a big deal about variable refresh and make a big deal about variable refresh being available in Sony TVs. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of really hope they do. Um, there's two things that I, th- I think it's at least two things that I think that make it a hard proposition uh, for one reason. I agree with you that it will be 2.1 standard. Um, the next boxes will support HDMI 2.1, most definitely. Um, the way developers utilize it, though, is a little, it's a little different because even if they're targeting 60 FPS, the machine that it's running on has to be able to override. Either the developer has to implement code so that it can run two versions of VSync, um, where there's like the base VSync targeting 60 FPS. Maybe it would be, you know, like triple buffered or something like that. Or then also if it detects the proper display, then be, you know, 60 Hertz with a variable refresh rate. So they'd have to either the developer would have to go in and have two kind of code paths based upon the display or the system itself, kind of the way Xbox One X does it right now, can force games to ver- run a version of variable refresh rate. And, I mean, I don't know how much I can talk about it, but, like, our testing with it, because developers didn't know beforehand that their games would be running at variable refresh rate or that that was even a thing, um, there's, like, unexpected results that we've had before. Or just games in general, because they run with, um, like, V-Syncs that also tear, um, to preserve, you know, like, you know, great controls and things like that. Yeah. Uh, they just don't run with variable refresh rate. So one thing I hope that they do do, both Microsoft and um, Sony, is that they make either they mand- they make it mandatory that games released on their system have to have two code paths to support normal VSync or a variable refresh one, or the way, the way that their API works on the machine is it when it forces variable refresh rate, it really forces it. Like on PC, when you force it, unless there's something really crazy with the game, and that's pretty rare, it'll just work. I want that to be the same way it is on console, because the way we see it with Xbox One X right now, it's like, if devs don't know, it doesn't work well. So I... Yeah, I, I agree. Like, hell yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> Give me yeah, more. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. I actually, I hadn't heard much at all about, I knew Xbox One X supported it, yeah, but yeah. I hadn't heard much at all about it other other than an article um, I think you guys put up a while ago that yeah. didn't have great results. results from it. Yeah, John and um, Richard tested it uh, when John was in the UK, and it just kind of, it just didn't work for a lot of titles, but the titles where it did work, which I'm pretty sure the one that did work was... Which one was it? God, I can't remember. But uh, it was like in the 47 to like 50 range, like the FPS. And that's like the perfect range, like where it can spike yeah. up to 60. But like you don't really notice the difference between yeah, like, maybe 53 so, and 60. Yeah. No, like it's not that big. Something running like like Battlefield Five, I think, for instance, w- um, on consoles, I think would benefit oh, a lot from some, a variable refresh rate display and yeah. proper support. <laughs> um, that'd be great so we we kind of touched on it a little bit um mm-hmm. uh before we got into discussing this other stuff but i kind of want to finish up talking about ray tracing a little bit okay cool yeah. um because it's kind of the big thing in gpus and rendering and yeah. um if you follow this sort of thing we've been told it's like 10 plus years away and then all of a sudden nvidia is like 
No. We got it. <laughs> and it's really expensive, uh, yeah. both uh, computationally and yeah. to the end user. Um, and this it kind of raises a question like, is this going to be a technology we're going to see in next generation consoles? And I personally do not think we will. Yeah, I mean, I, I was asked this question on a panel at EGX Berlin here, and uh, I said it won't become standard until the consoles support it. And then someone asked me after that immediately, will the next gen consoles support it? And I said at the time, like a resounding no. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, at, this, in the, at the other side of the spectrum, we can't ever be certain. Um, it's really hard to know sometimes, you know, like surprise, surprise, eight gigabytes of RAM yeah. with Sony yeah. or surprise, surprise, you know, all these other things that we've seen in the past. Um, but at the same time, AMD did not have the same level of research and the same level of, I don't know, I would say partnerships. Like when, yeah. when, when DirectX Ray Tracing was announced, it was unsurprising that NVIDIA was the one championing it alongside mm-hmm. Microsoft at that time. They, I mean, when they initially announced it, it just looked like, oh, it's running on Volta GPUs and it's expensive as all hell. Um, and then they kind of put out this, you know, like little distinct, you know, bit inside the SM of the GPU called the RT core, the ray tracing core, which accelerates the kind of the when a ray is shot through a, a structure, you know, on the GPU and when it hits and when it misses or when it just does whatever, that part's sped up. The shading mm-hmm. of it isn't at all. So it's just like a tiny bit of the ray tracing step which is actually an expensive part of it, is sped up on the GPU. But no one expected that when they when that before, you know, in around uh, March or April of this year. And then come around August, Gamescom, it's announced, and all of a sudden, real-time, you know, ray tracing on the GPU doing certain effects. I, I don't think we'll see very great frame rates in games that use a number of the effects. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's doable in real time. And what we say with real time there is the, the thing you mentioned about it being computationally expensive. Uh, I'm going to have, be having a video on this very soon, but like the initial launch of the first ray tracing game, Battlefield V, um, on the recommended low setting, you could get around a little bit higher than 1080p, like 1296p at 60 FPS. Um, using like ultra settings in the game, and uh, it looked oh, great. By, by the way, um, yeah. forgive me for interrupting. I realize we haven't given that much of a description on what ray tracing oh, is. Um, oh, I'm just, just assuming everyone knows. Uh, for yeah. our listeners, um, okay. since we're talking about Battlefield Five, uh, let's talk about how it's used in Battlefield Five because okay, cool. it can be used in different ways by different games. Yeah. Um, and then also, I just want to raise the point that. Um, Kind of the big thing, and it ties into what you said about ray tracing isn't going to be standard until consoles support it, mm-hmm. is because it requ- currently supporting ray tracing requires having two entirely separate lighting models for your yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, one that is ray traced and one that isn't, which is yeah. what most of your users are going to have. And so that that's like where the discussion of what ray tracing is and what are the different things that it does makes certain implementations of ray tracing more easily to understand and makes them more easy for devs to do versus others. So ray tracing basically, real lighting in games is usually done by just looking at what a surface could look like when it's lit and then just kind of faking it by shading the surface to look like a light is hitting it. 
there's no actual like sense of like light rays or light waves or whatever going about the scene and bouncing light everywhere like you see when you open up a window you open up a window and you the light will kind of shine in and bounce around the room that's basically a bunch of rays of light gpus don't do that they just kind of imagine what it would look like on the surface of something fake it okay and that requires a whole bunch of hacks um, both to make shadows work which they don't at all. <laughs> and um, <laughs> also the surfaces themselves, um, for a long time it was done in a very unrealistic way where an artist would just look at it and say like, oh, that's what I think the shading should look like on a metal. And then over time developers through you know industry practices and changing the way that equation representing the surfaces uh, had made it more realistic. That's what you saw at the beginning of this generation with things you know, like physically based shading in games like, you know, what was it called? Duty Advanced Warfare looked really great in its initial showing. And everyone's like, wow, that looks yeah. amazing. Kill, That's the reason why. Killzone Shadow Fall, Killzone Shadow Fall first, as well. Yeah. Was the first game that I, that really, um, Gorilla talked about it a lot before release. Um, and it was one of the first ones that I think really showed off the difference between like plastic and metal and, yeah, right? and everything like that. So, so like, but, but that's still like the things driving them though are just some, is just some sort of equation representing the, sh the surface of an object and the way it's shaded. Ray tracing looks to not just rep kind of represent a surface, but actually bounce light around scenes. And it can do it for a number of types of effects. It can do it for sh shadows so that the places where light is not hitting with direct shadows, like say from the sun, the first time you know light hits something, it costs, casts a direct shadow. It can make those, ray tracing those, can make them have realistic behaviors that you see. Like in real life, when a shadow is further away, like the, the shadow casting object is like far up and away, it, the, the shadow become more diffuse. But if the, the light is close to this object and the shadow is not going too far, then it'll be really tight shadow. Like those are like little things that ray tracing can do. Or it can be bounced around a scene, light can be bounced around a scene to do the reflections in a scene, which is another way to do it. Um, usually in games that's been done in a very fake way where there's like a static capture of the game world and it just like applies as a texture on top of objects. Or there's real time, you know, reflections but they disappear as soon as you can't see objects or as soon as objects are occluded, as in something gets in front of them. Um, and then there's other things that they can do, not just reflections, but in real life, there's a number of types of reflections. And of when light, for example, doesn't reach a corner in your room, it's darker. You can fake that in games with screen space ambient occlusion, make the corner a little darker, but it's not actually necessarily based upon the objects and the way light's bouncing around. It's just like a nice trick. Um, but if you were to bounce light through the room to figure that out, it would look really natural. That's another thing ray tracing can do. And it can also, when a light hits an object, for example, with ray tracing, you can make it so that its color bounces off of it and applies to the objects around it, which is called global illumination. Um, there's a lot of things ray tracing can do basically that instead of just trying to represent what a surface looks like, it actually simulates them in the maths itself. And that's a big difference because game worlds look more correct. They just look better in general. And the second thing is there's less authoring time for the developers. Instead of spending all this time trying to either make a really hacky and tricky screen space ambient occlusion or something like that, which kind of looks right, but most of the time doesn't. 
they can just kind of let this code run on the GPU and it will produce results that look great. You just spend less time, you know, arting the work you're doing or spend less time technically coding in hacky ways. Um, that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. It means a lot for productivity of games and it also means a lot for just the way they look because there's like a certain level that this old way of doing things, which is called rasterization, like it plateaus after a while. You can make it look better, but eventually it becomes much more beneficial to switch over to just tracing rays through a scene instead of trying to represent what a surface looks like. Um, that's what it does basically on this base level. But the thing is, as you were saying, Justin, depending upon the effect you choose, it's really you're going to have two different versions of lighting if you have to still support old rasterization techniques. So doing global illumination or doing, I, I kind of want to say global illumination is the one that's that that, that that's really the hard one. <laughs> that I you don't I don't think it's going to. And that's be, that's what Metro Exodus is going to be doing with yeah. um, their ray tracing implementation, correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's going to be like a normal standard lit scene where they use light probes or Q maps and probably a couple other tricks to make it look like there's light bouncing around a scene, and then there's going to be ray traced global illumination. Um, that's rare. I don't know how often that's going to be happening. I think it's just because the Metro guys in general, uh, 4A games do a lot of crazy stuff with their PC versions. <laughs> um, so they kind of took on that really hard to do thing. And then there's other ones that are easier, like doing those shadows or just doing, for example, ambient occlusion, as I called it, like indirect shadows from light. Like I said earlier, like the corner of your room being dark. Those are easy to do because they kind of overlay on the art as it already exists without having to think too much about how the art looks different. And then there's kind of this, I don't know if it's like how you would call it, like some sort of like in-between child or something like that, that is ray trace reflections where technically in games, all these reflections are really fake and they don't look great all the time. <laughs> it's just people are just really, really used to them looking a certain sort of way. Ray trace reflections, you can kind of like strip out that old system and put these in in its place. Um, and that's what that's what Battlefield Five and is. That's doing, what Battlefield correct? Five does. So like, okay, so yeah. we're back to Battlefield Five. <laughs> we're back. Uh, to um, Long way there. Yeah, sorry. I uh, no, it's, that that, that was my this. bad. I probably should have had us talk uh, do that whole um, description first. Uh, po- yeah. Apologies, um, but you yeah. Editor, so now we're back to put this in the front. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now we're, now we're back to Battlefield Five, um, mm-hmm. and you wanted to talk about how. Oh, it was when the game first yeah. launched, and there was a pretty major update. Um, yeah. For um, in terms of game content and balance and everything. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. also did a lot for the ray tracing implementation. Yeah. So if you could kind of talk about how that has changed over time, that'd be cool. That'd be yeah. So like it launched, like I said, with the lowest setting for ray tracing, doing these ray trace reflections, running on average at the highest NGPU we're talking about. By the way, this is like a 999 USD GPU which actually is usually like 1200 USD um, running it at around 1296p and you know 60 FPS and it's ray tracing all these reflections in the scene Um, but any higher resolution or if your GPU was less um, performant like you had a RTX 2070 and RTX 2080 um, you were going to be seeing either 1080p or lower to get 60 FPS or not 60 FPS at higher resolutions. That's the way it launched. And it's basically, if you look at the way we have things on console right now, where games are targeting near 4K resolutions, or say intermediate resolutions, like 1440p, um, this looks bad as a result. 
obviously the standards are different because people on PC really expect 60 FPS or higher, like you mentioned earlier. Um, But that's basically like a next-gen technique which makes video game graphics look very different is basically producing resolutions that are worse than Xbox One X or worse than PS4 Pro on average. That's the way it was. Now with the most recent update, um, which I'll have a video about, there's basically you can get at 1440p with these ray trace reflections on the ultra setting and they apply to way many more objects and they are much higher res um basically 60 fps at 1440p on any level in the game uh which is very impressive that's just like like, some slight dips now um yeah as a result of alpha effects but and that's that's real i that i find very impressive because i did not think we were going to hit anywhere near that kind of performance <laughs> no, I for a while i mean i just i think the dice engineer when i was talking to him was just being very modest originally he was like yeah we have these optimizations and they'll do this but he didn't really <laughs> uh explain just how incredible they were um so and that's just like that's the start of it too um ray tracing right now is in the very nascent days and there's so many practices and standards and just ways of doing things which have yet to be set up. Like, we all know at the beginning of the Xbox 360 and PS3 generation, everything was just a normal mapped shiny mess. Uh, and then over time, you know, devs got better at it, making their art look better with normal maps and bump maps and not having everyone just be, you know, like Fong 1.0 shading. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, like it'll get better over time. And I think we're going to see better ray tracing performance on PC over time. Um, to the point where if you look at a GPU like the GTX, uh, sorry, I'm not going to say that ever right for the rest of my life, RTX 2070. Um, it, yeah, that's going to be a hard habit to break. <laughs> I mean, we never say it correctly. I think <laughs> I always have to re-record myself for videos. Um, RTX 2070, this lower end GPU, which is about the equivalent of a GTX 1080, which is kind of ballpark next-gen specs rumors, you know, GTX 1080. That's basically where everyone thinks will be next-gen for the most part. Um, Obviously, looking over at AMD, everyone would like that level of performance, I think. Yeah, Um, like that's kind of, I I think that's kind of just been what everybody's hoping for. Yeah, right. For kind of that ballpark of GPU. um, That's like what we want. And I don't don't think it'll be lower either. I don't think it'll be lower uh, than GTX 1080 for both consoles. I don't think it will be because that's just not a big enough bump otherwise. Um, But if you look at that GPU, this RTX 2070, and it's basically GTX uh, 1080 performance-like, and it can get now uh, on medium settings for ray tracing around 60 FPS and a little bit higher at 1080p as far as I know. And But the thing is, that's targeting 60 FPS. If you go up to 30, it's starting, if you like go down to 30 FPS, sorry, if you go down to 30 FPS and you target that, uh, it's looking at intermediate resolutions to 4K. Not 4K, but you know something below that. Mm-hmm. And if you take into the fact that Consoles are very adept at using reconstruction techniques to make their resolutions as high as they go at times, um, like 4K. Um, I think it's very possible, under the presumption that there is some sort of ray-traced acceleration hardware in next-gen consoles, that you could get reconstructed games, reconstructed resolution, that is, at 4K, reconstructed, (laughs) at 30 FPS with ray tracing. I think it's totally doable at that point, under the presumption that it is actually, there's hardware in these next-gen consoles that allows it. Other than that, though, uh, I don't know. 
uh, because the type of ray tracing that's done on PC right now is like doing individual rays. And there's really no way to get that super fast with, without this kind of specialized hardware. There's other types of tracing though, which games currently use, um, a variety of types. <laughs> there's almost too many to name. Um, yeah, we, we don't need to. Yeah, we, we don't, don't need, need to get, get into that. all. But there's all of basically those. you can achieve less accurate, but different looking effects with other types of tracing. Um, I don't need to say what they are, but yeah. you can do those on console and on PC right now. Games are currently doing them. And they'll look okay. I think we're going to see, if we don't get ray tracing next gen, I think we're going to see an increase, an increase in the prevalence of these other types of traced effects. And that, I, 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 think, I think that's unreasonable. That, and that's something yeah. I'm kind of um, expecting as well. Because I think those kind of things will be a nice... Like, when you have several of them yeah. in a scene, I think those will provide a nice step up from kind of what we're, we've currently seen utterly, in like, terms of shading. Um, even if there's not a huge increase in asset quality, um, I think it just those makes would assets provide a nice, way better. Like yeah, like like um, yeah, way better. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, like I just think the example of like if you look at uh, CryEngine on the PC with the game The Hunt, it doesn't actually have that most other than it's like first person models. The assets in the game are actually just like the very standard stuff you see this gen. Like mm-hmm. they're just pretty standard. But like as soon as like the lighting in them is done through these other types of tracing that I mentioned earlier that that game has. The Hunt on PC uh, has this type of tracing. It just looks way better. And I imagine next-gen consoles will be doing this uh, for games, especially those targeting 30 FPS. Uh, There's no reason not to at that point. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, I think that's kind of a good point um, to wrap up. (laughs) Uh, I I know you and I can probably go on for a while um, Um, about this sort of thing, Um, but... So that's kind of just, um, you know, where the two of us uh, see things have kind of landed on this on this topic, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, maybe in the next few months, uh, possibly around GDC, that tends to be hardware leak time. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember a couple of years back when the PS4 Pro was briefed to developers behind the scenes, and you know, somebody heard them in line talking about it, and that's when. We heard about it. I imagine we might start getting um, some of those kind of leaks, um, or people accidentally in... posting things on Twitter. Is <laughs> yes, yes. yes. So, like, um, yeah. those kind of things in the next few months. So, thank you so much uh, for joining me, Alex. Yeah, and uh, sorry if I get a little rambly. <laughs> I could no, that, that's that fine. Um, yeah, yeah. I had a great time, and yeah. uh, appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, of course, Justin. It was great. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, please head on over to Digital Foundry. Um, Alex, uh, Alex is one of their um, video creators there, and they're a really talented bunch um, that is very dedicated to, um, you know, displaying and explaining uh, a lot of the technical features of games. I've learned a ton from them, and they're one of my favorite channels on YouTube. So head on over, um, check them out, and have a nice night. Good night.